Did you know that you can increase the playback speed of your podcast episodes? That's something that I should have known quite a while ago, but only just learned recently and it has been a lifesaver. I find it unbearable to listen to people who talk too slowly. If you're listening on Spotify, for example, or on YouTube, both two platforms where you were able to speed it up without losing voice quality. I'm not sure about other platforms, but the funny thing is I like to listen to podcasts at 1.6 speed, whereas if the podcaster has ADHD, then usually I only need 1.2 speed because they already talk quite fast. So being able to speed up the podcast has really made it a lot more bearable and I feel like I can get more information in in a shorter period of time, which is actually a point that I'm going to talk about at some point in the future because that's not always healthy. Good evening, my creature of the night, people of the underworld who thrive when the sun is set. If you have ADHD, you might not realize that you are having sleeping issues. I didn't realize it for the longest time. Well, I sort of did, but I didn't really. Before we start with the episode, I have something to say. Feels kind of appropriate to do this today, right now, because I am currently sleep deprived. I had about four hours of sleep last night. And the reason why I only got four hours of sleep is because I didn't manage to properly go to bed or to sleep until like 6am for many reasons. (laughs) The point that I want to make and the reason why I'm recording this is I just felt like I was kind of missing the point so I want to make the point clear from the start. In the next two episodes I'm going to be talking about sleep. In the first one I'm going to talk about why we struggle with sleep and in the second one I'm going to talk about my favorite tips and tricks for getting a better night's sleep. And the main two points that I want to start each episode with is Dr. Russell Barkley puts it in a really good way. He says, ADHD is not a disorder of not knowing what to do. It's a disorder of not doing what you know. And I know this applies to several mental health disorders, disabilities, but I feel like it's especially true for ADHD maybe more so than certain other disorders. That's why I want to make it clear that everything that I'm about to say, it's good to know this stuff, but knowing it won't fix it. While I was editing the footage, I realized that the way how I phrased things and the way how I portrayed it kind of sounds like it's simple when it's really not. Not that it's simple, but hey, here are these tips and tricks. Like, I have been implementing most of these tips and tricks on and off, but it only helps to a certain degree. There is just something that is blocking me from going to sleep. Like last night, I stayed up for four hours watching a TikTok live. That was even annoying me to a certain degree. It was like this debate thing about homosexuality and she wanted people to basically debate her so she could give, she could challenge them. She was phrasing things in a certain way where I'm like, Yes, but the way how you were phrasing it is obviously not reaching the other person. What if you phrase it this way? Like, no one has explained this. Anyway, it was still sort of interesting to watch and to hear these arguments from these people. I don't know. And it it kept going in a circle. They didn't get anywhere else. But somehow I felt like I was so invested. I've already put in so much time to this. I want to actually know if this is going to change, if someone is going to come up with an argument that we haven't already heard. Sorry, this is kind of like a tangent, but it's not sort of like a tangent. It is a tangent. (laughs) I'm like so in shock anyway, because this is also just my ADHD injustice going crazy of like, I can't understand their logic and it's blowing up my brain. 
of like, how do you not understand that this logic is not logicking? I learned this new Gen Z term of like, because I, I would describe myself as a millennial. I'm a zillennial, meaning I am between a millennial and Gen Z. So zillennials are people who are born between 93 and 98. And I've never felt like I identify with the Gen Z culture. I don't understand it. I don't find it particularly funny. How did I get onto that? How did I get onto that? Zillennials. I was literally just trying to explain a stupid word that I said. The logic is not logicking. Because I'm not familiar with Gen Z vernacular, I'm like learning new things that I kind of feel like a boomer. I also feel like I look like a boomer today. I feel like I I look like a boomer kindergarten arts teacher or something. I don't know. Anyway, so I learned that that is apparently a thing that Gen Z people say. And I know I sound incredibly old by saying this right now, but they, they will do this thing where it's like the, the table isn't tabling, the plant isn't planting, the, the human isn't humaning. I don't know if that's a thing. Like a thing is not doing the thing that it is usually doing the thing as. Anyway, fuck, I got off track. Recently, I've gotten a comment on one of my TikTok videos, basically quoting me. So therapists who've studied psychology for years and years and years don't know what they're talking about. But hey, come listen to my podcast. Yeah, right. That was the comment. And this is another thing where I'm like, the logic isn't logicking. I feel like I'm going to use this quite a bit because that is something that is very, very annoying for an ADHD person is I don't understand your train of thought and it's hurting my brain. I just want to make it very clear to start off with that I am not in any way claiming to be an expert in ADHD. I'm an expert in my own life and my own experiences, and I want to share that with you so that you can hopefully take something from it as well. And of course, I have spent many, many years researching a lot about ADHD, and from my experience and talking to all different kinds of therapists, psychiatrists, psychologists, who do know less than me about ADHD, like certain facts, symptoms, just statistics. They would started asking me questions because they realized I knew more about ADHD than they, they did. They were like, so what do you say on this? And do you know what percentage this and this? So I started actually basically teaching people that I was paying to see should not happen. There are absolutely are medical professionals that know a lot less than I do about ADHD. And that's okay. That was literally the point of that TikTok video is that you can't expect a medical professional to know everything about everything. Like some people will be more specialized in one field and then might have slight oversights in other things. And because so much within us, like our health, our mental health, our physical health, our entire lives, it's all connected. It's all interconnected. Obviously, they're going to miss something. Point being, I don't want you to go away from this video taking everything that I say as fact. I want you to actually, in any podcast that you listen to, to go fact check, to go do your own research, take what these people are saying, including me, take what I'm saying as a nudge in a direction, and then go find out more along that path if you think that that's going to be beneficial for you. That is what I hope you are already doing. I will do my very best to give you information that is as accurate and factually correct as possible. But obviously I am not perfect either. So it can be that I will say something 
that might not be 100% true. So I really urge you to go do your own research, maybe take something that I say and put it into Google, better even, put it into Google.scholar because that's going to give you actual scientific articles on it. Go look at academics who speak about the topic, such as Dr. Russell Barkley. Don't just blindly believe everything that I say. When I'm about to say a fact, I like to preface it with I am not 100% sure, so don't quote me on this. Just in life, like I don't just do this because I'm on the interwebs. I do that when I have conversations with people, with my friends on a night out. I will talk to them like, don't quote me on this because I'm not 100% sure. Disclaimer, I'm not a medical professional. Like I actually do that. <laughs> and the reason why that comment did sort of activate something in me was because obviously I'm continuing to learn. This is actually why I'm so glad that I made the decision to start doing content creation because I'm learning so much about ADHD, not just through the research that I'm doing before I film the videos, but even just while editing myself, I'm learning. What I didn't realize is I'll often say words that don't make sense in the sentence structure like I'll start a sentence one way and end it a completely different way or I will just interchange words for each other and not even realize it so it's actually making me more aware of how I present myself how I speak and I'm I'm just waiting for the moment when I will be able to actually shift my behavior and my speaking patterns to become a better conversationalist in general and also just when it comes to content creation, I'm, I'm just learning so much about myself, about the industry, about marketing, about how I speak, about ADHD, and especially with ADHD because I'm talking about it as well. So yeah, there's the aspect of I'm researching it, but also I'm talking about it so I'm becoming even more aware of it. So now that I did an episode on sleep last week, and I have been also trying to fix my own sleep pattern, I've been more conscious of what's really happening and what the struggles really are. Which brings me back to my main point that I want to preface this video with. I don't want you to think that I'm a hypocrite because I absolutely have not figured it out yet. I really, it's so important to me that you know that. Even me, who's known that I have ADHD for a very long time, I've been medicated for a very long time, I have researched a lot and I still struggle with certain aspects of ADHD. Not with all of them. I feel like I have gotten on top of certain things. Like, for example, I don't think that I struggle as much as I used to with interrupting people. And I also think that emotional regulation I'm a little bit better at. It doesn't affect me as much in my life as it used to. This is an ongoing process of me reflecting, learning, and sharing what I've learned with you. So what you're about to hear in the following episodes is absolutely a good starting point. Like, don't click away from this video. I still want you to listen to the episode because I do think that you will find some valuable information within them. But never stop learning. But yeah, just please see it more as a starting point and not as a end or be all. In this episode, I'm going to learn everything there is to know about sleep. Obviously not. If you had those kind of expectations of me, also thank you for your trust. Like, wake up. No, actually, wake up. You're asleep right now. You're actually dreaming. Wake up. Wake up! Sorry, I just wanted to do something creepy. Maybe that also hooked your attention back to this video. All eyes on me. Hit the microphone with my glasses. I went to the chiropractor yesterday. My neck really hurts. I feel like I need to say this more concisely. I still have so much to learn and I'm going to constantly update you when I do learn a new thing. But 
let's stick to the point. Okay. On that note, getting back to sleep. So there are several reasons why people with ADHD struggle to get into a healthy sleep rhythm or to fall asleep, stay asleep and wake up in the morning. I think most people with ADHD will struggle to a certain degree or at some point in their life with sleep. And the funny thing is sleep deprivation symptoms look really similar to ADHD, which is why sleep disorders in ADHD people often go undiagnosed. In this episode, I'm going to take you through why we struggle to get to bed on time, why we struggle to stay asleep and to wake up in the morning, why sleep is so important, and some of the best tips and tricks that I have heard and learnt to get a better night's sleep. So, the main reason why we struggle with sleep is because we have a delayed circadian rhythm. That means a circadian rhythm is basically the physical, mental and behavioural changes throughout the same 24 hours. Usually that cycle is determined by the sun, for example. We'll get into a routine and we'll want to do the same things over and over again at the same time. Like, for example, cats. If you have cats at home, you might realise that they will always start having the zoomies at the exact same time every night or they'll want to have food at exactly 5am, or I don't know. And humans work just the same, only that with people with ADHD, our circadian rhythm is moved by about one and a half to two hours. So it's sort of a bit of the the chicken and the egg debacle here, because it's hard to tell what came first, because it's a vicious cycle that keeps continuing. One thing is that our melatonin kicks in later. Melatonin is the vampire hormone, as some people call it, which is responsible for making us sleepy. Usually it kicks in when the sun goes down and it's sort of preparing us for bed. Now with ADHD people, melatonin kicks in later. This is also called delayed sleep phase syndrome, DSPS. Up to 75% of adults with childhood onset ADHD exhibit delayed circadian rhythm phase including a rise in salivary dim light melatonin onset and alterations in core body temperature and then there's some more words that I can't pronounce occurring approximately 1.5 hours later in the night than neurotypicals. Now you might think that you struggle to go to bed on time because you find it hard to stick to a schedule or that you lack the discipline in going to bed and you know what, you actually not that wrong. I mean, saying that people with ADHD lack discipline has a very negative ring to it, even though it's not completely false. What we really lack is self-regulation. So we find it very hard to control our motivation and shift from task to task. It's very difficult for us to just stop what we're doing and say, hey, I'm going to go to bed now. So this is one of the main reasons why at least I struggle with getting to bed on time is our brains naturally get busier at night. We sort of wake up and that's our alert time, probably because it took us so long to wake up and we'll want to start working later as well, especially if we don't have any kind of reason why we need to get to bed early and wake up early. For me, especially now that I'm unemployed and mainly working on my YouTube stuff, I really can make it up as I go along. So I will start working on stuff 
later into the day and then I'll really enjoy working on it and then I'll just continue, continue, continue. I will be on hyper-focus mode and not be able to stop. Maybe we were also just spending most of the day procrastinating a certain task and then we only start it at 8pm and then when we start it, again, we can't stop. So that cycle kind of continues on because then we go to bed later, then we wake up later and it will just push it further and further back. I think at the beginning during the pandemic, I was editing one of my short films, The Red World, and uh, I got into a sleep rhythm that was about me working until six or seven in the morning and then waking up at two or three p.m. And it kind of worked well for me. I kind of prefer working at night because there's a sort of silence to it and my brain just sort of finally feels calm it's not interrupted by my family members wanting to eat or someone texting me or I don't know there's just different stuff going on at day and I just also prefer it when it's dark it just feels more like okay this is my time to focus and I'm just in my own bubble nothing is going to stop me and I just continue on and on and on and on the fact that we go into hyperfocus and we don't really listen to our body signals doesn't help either. So people with ADHD are probably the only people who will procrastinate going to the toilet. But also other things like eating, drinking, tiredness, any kind of body sensation that is telling us to do something, we tend to ignore. It takes a longer time for us to realize that those body signals are there. So also with tiredness, we might actually be really, really tired, but not notice it because we're so enveloped in our current hyperfocus. Then of course, with ADHD, it's also harder to stick to a schedule. So we don't really like routine as much as we actually really need routine. And those of us who have ADHD and autism will struggle with that even more because we desperately crave routine, but our ADHD brains won't really let us go into a routine because as soon as we're doing something that's repetitive over and over and over again, we tend to get bored of it and we want to switch it up. So as much as I am going to give you my favorite tips for sleeping in this episode, I do want to mention that if you have ADHD, it's going to be very difficult to find a solution that's going to work for you long term indefinitely because even though I have found ways to help myself with sleep and getting into a better rhythm I have phases when I fall out of it again and that is completely okay too. The importance is to know why sleep is so important and what measures you can take to get back into that healthy rhythm. Don't beat yourself up too much if you fall out of it again because the most consistent thing about ADHD is that we're inconsistent. And that's okay. But something that isn't okay is that I know a lot of people with ADHD that say, I can absolutely thrive on four hours of sleep because I have ADHD and and this is my normal sleep rhythm and that's totally fine. It really isn't. Okay, there is a certain group of people that actually can cope with a lot less sleep. Not a lot less. I think it's like maybe five or six hours of sleep rather than the recommended seven to nine hours. But it's only 3% of the population. And I'm guessing if you have ADHD, that's probably not you. So please stop making excuses. <laughs> please stop fooling yourself into thinking that you can survive with less sleep because you probably can't. So it's about 75% of adults with ADHD have a comorbid sleep disorder. I actually think that it's probably more than 75% because the symptoms look so similar. Children with ADHD and sleep is a whole other topic. 
right now we're focusing on adults with ADHD. Other reasons why we might struggle with going to bed on time is our stimulant medication. Because it's a stimulant, it will keep us up at night. So it's really important to make sure that you don't take your medication too late. There are certain types of medication that you need to take a bit later. So you basically take them before you go to sleep so that when you wake up, you were fully alert. I'm not sure what that medication is called, but I know that it's that's not how you take Ritalin or Concerta or any kind of methylphenidate, as far as I'm aware. If I wake up too late in the day, I will often skip taking Ritalin because I know it's going to keep me up longer. And then the cycle just continue and continue. I will wake up later. So even then, when I wake up, I'll spend a lot of time in bed on my phone for the first two or three hours of the morning. Then I'll get up and then I'll take my medication and then it just keeps pushing it further and further back. So I'd rather just miss Ritalin and make myself sleepy enough to get to bed on time the day before. For some people, taking stimulant medication actually can help with sleep. I'm still guessing that you still don't don't want to take it too late in the day. But medication can, of course, help us to be better at self-regulation. So listening to our body signals that when we're tired, we actually go to sleep. And also just having that impulse of, hey, I'm going to make myself get up, stop what I'm doing and go to bed. Basically, false discipline. So I'm not saying don't take medication. I'm just saying take it early enough in the day for it to work when it's supposed to work and it stops working when you're supposed to go to sleep. There are also a lot of other comorbid disorders linked with ADHD that make it harder for us to sleep or actually might look like chronic fatigue or chronic sleep deprivation. So that might be missed. For example, depression. Well, actually depression can actually make us want to sleep even more than we usually do but it can also make it harder to sleep. So a bit of a paradox in itself. Same thing with anxiety. Anxiety is going to keep us up at night with moving thoughts, increased heart rate, all the fun stuff. Substance abuse, big one. Substance abuse is absolutely linked in with ADHD for many different reasons, which we'll absolutely cover in a different episode. For example, alcohol might make it seem like it's easier to go to sleep, but actually it's basically just sedating you and then you get a worse night's sleep. So if you want to sleep well, stop drinking alcohol roughly two hours before you go to sleep. If it's just a little bit of alcohol, I mean, I don't know. Still, be careful, be aware of it. Of course, other substances will have similar effects. I'm not going to go through all of the substances right now, but absolutely things like speed and cocaine, which in the last video we discussed are quite similar to stimulant medication but even just being addicted to things like social media being on your phone for a really long time before bed is going to make it more difficult to go to sleep we're going to get back to social media and blue light later also did you know that 50 percent of people with adhd actually have restless leg syndrome what is restless leg syndrome you may ask let me tell you restless leg syndrome is basically when your legs feel really ticklish inside It's kind of like someone is tickling the insides of your bones. It's really, really, really uncomfortable. And it just means that you you have this urge to like move your leg. It's not the same thing as hyperactivity. It's more to do with discomfort and sensory overload. Along with taking your stimulant medication too late, the same thing goes with caffeine. A lot of people with ADHD have a very weird relationship with caffeine, where on the one hand, we feel like we're dependent on it. And on the other hand, it can actually make us more sleepy but not in a productive way. So 
a lot of people, especially people who've been diagnosed with ADHD later in life, might have experienced that throughout being a teenager, a young adult, and just growing up that they desperately crave caffeine because caffeine is a stimulant, it wakes them up, it makes us more alert or it makes us feel like we're more alert. And that's why a lot of people self-medicate with caffeine. But I noticed quite early on when I was a teenager that actually coffee makes me tired. And I had no idea why. I thought I was just weird. And then I realized, hey, actually, this is an ADHD thing. People with ADHD tend to be more tired when drinking coffee. And I recently saw a TikTok reel on this. Basically, what happens is that you have the receptors where the sort of caffeine molecule goes into and the more caffeine there is, the more receptors there are. And these receptors alone make you tired. And then the caffeine comes and then you're alert, but then the caffeine wears off and then you have a lot of these receptors that are then going to make you feel sleepy again. Not sure if that's 100% correct, but that's kind of how I have it in my head. So you are actually making your body more tired, but the caffeine is still in your body, meaning it's still going to prevent you from going to sleep properly or going to sleep in a healthy way. So I have been doing some more research on this. I've also been reading Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep, and I did find the Instagram reel again. So the reel that I found was from Dr. Karan Rajan. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And he was explaining how caffeine binds to our adenosine receptors. Adenosine is basically the molecule, the hormone, not quite sure, that as soon as we wake up, it continues to rise and rise and rise. It's basically our internal way of measuring how long we've been awake. It's our body's way of knowing, okay, you've been awake for this amount of time and it builds up sleep pressure probably best if I just play the reel for you and go check out his other content. It's really good. Caffeine makes you feel tired. It might be because of a software glitch in your caffeine gene. Broadly speaking, people can be fast or slow caffeine metabolizers. And it all depends if you have the fast or slow liver enzyme CYP1A2. This enzyme influences your body's sensitivity to caffeine. Depending on your metabolism, it could be anywhere from two to eight hours to remove half the caffeine. So caffeine keeps you alert by blocking adenosine receptors because it shares a similar shape to adenosine, the sleep molecule. People with a fast metabolizing mutation break down caffeine more quickly. So those adenosine receptors free up more quickly allowing the sleep-inducing chemical adenosine to bind and make you feel more tired than a slow metabolizer. Additionally, if you regularly consume lots of caffeine and those adenosine channels are constantly blocked, your body actually does a system update and compensates by producing even more adenosine receptors in your brain. It does this to regulate your sleep cycle so you don't glitch out. Now, so if you find that you are often tired during the day, look at your caffeine intake. It can, on the one hand, of course, make you tired during the day by the mechanism that I just explained, or, as I said before, it can be that caffeine is causing you to have a bad night's sleep, which, of course, obviously would also make you tired. So that for clarification, again, urging you to do your own research. I tend to avoid caffeine altogether, although that's kind of a lie. I avoid coffee completely because that really does make me tired. Uh, energy drinks, on the other hand, I do find help me, but I do think it's the sugar that's helping me and a bit of the placebo because I do feel like it does wear off very quickly again and also I have a rule that after I, I will really try and avoid drinking an energy drink after 3 p.m maybe it depends like if I know I'm gonna go on a night out 
then it's not that bad and sometimes at work if I really feel like hey I just cannot concentrate at all I need some kind of energy boost then I'll have an energy drink also I do like the taste of energy drinks and it kind of gives me a dopamine boost. So that, of course, is also going to increase concentration. Something else that is likely to influence your sleep is jaw tension. You're actually more likely to have jaw tension if you have ADHD. Uh, Something I'm trying out right now, which I'm also sure that I will do a dedicated video on, is Botox for jaw tension. Uh, I had Botox put into my jaw muscle because it's supposed to relax it and well, it's a muscle paralyzer, so it basically paralyzed my muscles to make them weaker and give them less chance to be tense. Now, so far, I'm not a fan because when I sort of, when I open my jaw too much or do some kind of wrong movement, I actually sort of get jaw lock or it it kind of feels like my, my muscle goes into spasm and it just cramps up a little bit. Um, Also, I still feel pain, just not as much as before, absolutely. And I have a masseuse who checked my jaw before and after I had the Botox and she did actually say that it, she can hardly feel the muscle anymore that it's it's really improved a lot I'm gonna have to see with time how it develops so you it doesn't last forever it, it just I think it stops working around like six months in and it's I think like three months ago that I got it now so we'll see I'll keep you updated but jaw tension absolutely can also distract you from sleeping so you might be lying in bed thoughts racing restless leg syndrome jaw is hurting sensory overload it's just all too much and it's all uncomfortable and you just can't get to sleep another thing about restless leg syndrome is that not only does it prevent us from falling asleep it actually also reduces our sleep quality so we are more likely to spend more time in light sleep rather than REM sleep and deep sleep. And REM sleep and deep sleep are both like two of the most important sleep phases. I mean, all the sleep phases are important, but those two are particularly important when it comes to emotional regulation and focus and physical fatigue as well. Then staying asleep is also affected by our heart rate. So There are studies that suggest that people with ADHD are more likely to have a heart condition. I spoke a little bit about that in the last episode on Ritalin. And of course, stimulant medication is also going to affect our heart rate to a certain degree. That is also going to diminish the quality of sleep that we get. Also, according to the Sleep Foundation, up to one third of people with ADHD are affected by sleep disordered breathing. So that's either snoring or sleep apnea or similar which is also of course going to affect our sleep it's going to make it harder for us to stay asleep because some people will snore so loudly that they'll actually wake themselves up if you think that might be you go talk to a doctor might not be a bad chat and of course why it's harder for us to wake up in the morning i mean to me it kind of makes sense if you already struggled to go to bed on time then you're also going to struggle to wake up in the morning (laughs) because you didn't have a good night's sleep then of course there's also other influences like the fact that it's we struggle with motivation so motivating ourselves to get out of bed in the morning is really difficult also of course our circadian rhythm means that we would prefer to sleep later into the day now hopefully you have a job (laughs) where you are allowed to sleep in to a certain degree I'm lucky that in the film industry usually well it depends if I'm working on set it the times when we have to be on set shifts dramatically but usually when I'm working in the office people don't expect you to be there before nine o'clock usually so that's good I don't know what I would do if I had to be at my job at 7am sharp every day 
that would just drive me insane. I don't know what I would do. Then, of course, also we're more likely to be affected by depression. And that also makes it a lot harder to get out of bed in the morning for so many different reasons. Then, of course, we also have time blindness. So we will already have a worse night's sleep, then wake up in the morning, find it hard to motivate ourselves. The alarm goes off and we think, I can absolutely have a shower and get dressed and eat breakfast and scroll on social media within half an hour. If you can do that, well done. I cannot. To do all of those things, it takes me about an hour in the morning. That's also a video for another day because us getting ready in the morning is very, very difficult. But because we have time blindness, we're going to still think that we're able to do it. And you might be saying, if you don't have ADHD, you might be saying, well, if you have ADHD and you know that you have time blindness and you know that you can't do all of those tasks in half an hour, then why don't you just learn that? How do you still continue to make the same mistake over and over again? Well, let me tell you, every time I'm in that situation, I don't think back to, hey, you know what? I don't think I can do this in this short period of time. I will think, no, this time is going to be different. This time I'm going to make myself be faster. I'm going to make sure that I'm not distracted, that I won't be on social media, that I'm just going to grab something for breakfast and rush out the door. There's going to be so many things in my head that I'm going to say to myself, no, okay, if I do this and this and this, then I can absolutely be out of the house in half an hour. But then I forget a lot of other things or I'll underestimate the amount of time that those individual tasks take. It's a whole big time blindness thing. It's, yeah. But so we're gonna probably hit the snooze button more than we should. And snoozing as much as I do it, there were periods of time when I would snooze for a good hour or so in the morning. I'd have to set my alarm an hour earlier than I wanted to get up just to make sure that I'd actually get out of bed. But the more I did that, the worse it got because my body would know, hey, I don't have to get up yet, so I'm just going to continue sleeping. And that also sort of became a cycle where I started sleeping through my alarm. I started to not hear it anymore or it would become part of my dream, especially because I wouldn't sleep enough my brain would sort of go crazy like when I was working with extras and I for example have a shoot the next day every time the alarm went off it somehow in my brain linked of like this sound is actually an email that I got from an extra asking me a question so then I would dream about answering that email and then forget to wake up and then at some point my alarm would just stop ringing because there are so many alarms that have accumulated over the top of each other that it just stopped. And then even if my boss tries to call me, it won't get through because my phone is basically, I don't know if you guys have ever had that, that if there are too many alarms, it just stops ringing. Or even so, even if my boss did call me, which they have every now and again, <laughs> I will just take that as a different sound. I will just think that's a different alarm. Yeah, so also big tip is to not have the same ringtone for your alarm as you do for calls. Another thing is when you snooze is that you were probably in deep sleep before, then you wake up to hit the snooze button and then you go back into light sleep. It takes a while until you can go back down into deep sleep. So you were constantly keeping yourself at a level of REM slash light sleep. That's not quality sleep that you're getting. So even though you think, well, I'm just going to give myself an extra 15 minutes of sleep, you're not getting quality 15 minutes more of sleep. And again, your body gets used to the fact that it can just go straight back to sleep. 
So as hard as it is, it is so, so important that we train ourselves to set the alarm when we want to wake up or maybe give yourself like 15, 10 to 15 minutes, but not more to make sure that your body doesn't get used to it. And because then the other way around, it will get used to the alarm is ringing. You have to get up just while we're on this. I actually love my Fitbit watch exactly for this reason, because you can set alarms that are based on your sleep cycle. So you can say, hey, at the very latest, I want to wake up at 8.30. Then it will give about a half an hour time window where before it is going to, let's say you need to get up at 8.30. Then at any point between 8 and 8.30, your watch is going to ring you awake based on what part of the sleep cycle you're in at that time. So that means that it's going to be a lot easier to wake up because if it can detect that you're already in light sleep, it's not going to let you go back into deep sleep, which is harder to wake up from. And then, yeah, it's more likely that you'll get out of bed. I do like a whole different complex thing of like, I'll have an alarm on my watch, but then I'm also going to set a different alarm, which rings 20 minutes before then. So there's like less of a time window because I don't want to wake up half an hour earlier if I don't have to get up half an hour earlier, which I really should. But yeah, the whole complex alarm system that I have. Also, training ourselves to get up at the same time every morning is vital, but I'm going to get back to that. Oh God. They're working really well. Did you see those? They're not working anymore. <coughs> My ears are blocked. I'm still kind of sick. Okay, so now why is sleep so important, you ask? You probably already know, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Chronic sleep deprivation can have several significant health risks. There's a guy, what's his name? I always want to say Christopher Walker. It's not Christopher Walker. It's Christopher Matthew Walker and Christopher Fitton. Right. Okay. Okay. What name did I just say? Matthew Walker. So there's this guy, Matthew Walker, who wrote several books on sleep. I think he also has a masterclass. And I listened to his podcast episode on The Diary of a Sea. I really recommend that episode. Very, very interesting. He talks about the importance of sleep and why sleep is actually the most important health factor that we should be improving. If we don't get enough sleep, meaning if we get less than seven hours of sleep, we have a higher risk for diabetes, a weakened immune system, depression, weight gain, and a higher risk of developing dementia. Actually, ADHD is already have a higher risk of developing dementia, or is it because of our sleep? See, this is again the whole thing with, is it the chicken or the egg? Same thing with depression and weakened immune system. There's so many different things that are linked, but it's really difficult to say this is causing this or that is causing this. In the end, it's just all one big pool. And if we improve our sleep, we're going to reduce our risk for dementia. So get to sleep. The risk of dying of a heart condition increases by 20% and people with ADHD are also more likely to have heart conditions. So this is why, especially for people with ADHD, sleep is so incredibly vital. There's a podcast that I love listening to called Science Versus and there they compared being sleep deprived with being drunk and they did a test where they were testing their reaction times and at one point they did it when they only had six hours of sleep and the next time they did it on after drinking three beers within half an hour their reaction time was slower on six hours of sleep and a lot of people think that they can get by on six hours of sleep 
If you had three beers in half an hour, would you drive a car? I am hoping that your answer is no. Would you drive a car on six hours of sleep? Absolutely. Half of the population does it every single day. If that doesn't convince you to get more sleep, I don't know what will. Actually, at the same time, I shouldn't even say this, but it's... No, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. It makes me want to risk drink driving more. (laughs) I said it. Also, people with ADHD are already a lot more likely to be in an accident than someone without ADHD. So by not sleeping enough, you're actually increasing that risk even more. Okay. Most people with a neurodivergence don't get enough sleep as is. And for an ADHD, it's even worse. So that's why it's extra important for us to value it and really dedicate our time. The amount of time that you are dedicating to fixing your disorder or to work on your ADHD symptoms and improving it or improving focus, improving emotional regulation, that effort, I would say at least 50% of it needs to go into improving your sleep if not more than 50%, because improving your sleep is going to improve your focus and your emotional regulation and pretty much all of the ADHD symptoms. It's going to give you more dopamine. It's going to connect your rational and emotional brain more with each other. It's going to mean that you're going to take less risks. It's going to make it easier for you to stop and think about the risks involved or just stop and think and not miss important details. There are so many things that a good night's sleep is going to help us with so you know what I'm going to change my answer invest at least 80% of your time that you are investing in therapy in medication research in everything to do with trying to help your ADHD invest 80% of that time into getting a good night's sleep just you know not forever but in terms of importance sleep is important please please believe me sleep is important it's so important and for those of you who are saying yeah i can totally get by on four hours of sleep your body is compensating your body is producing extra adrenaline to keep you awake and that is also going to make your anxiety worse if you have adhd it's likely that you already have anxiety it's also going to make your racing thoughts worse it's going to make your rejection sensitivity dysphoria worse it's actually eating away at your body it's using energy reserves that are meant to go into other aspects of your life. You were, if you don't have enough sleep, you are constantly on emergency mode. Your body is functioning on the lowest level basics of what it needs to do to survive, and that's it. That's not a healthy quality of life. And you might get used to that feeling. You might think this is normal because you've been doing it for so long. When I was a teenager, when I was in high school, I constantly only had four hours of sleep or less. How much sleep do we actually need? It's recommended to get between seven and nine hours of sleep each night. But of course, as it always is in the medical industry, those numbers are based on men. Women need on average between 11 to 20 minutes more sleep than men do. Women are more likely to experience insomnia, anxiety, and depression that can result in sleep problems. There's a fun fact. And also our hormone cycle, if you were assigned female at birth or you have a uterus, your hormone cycle throughout the month is also going to impact your sleep. If you want more information on that, let me know and I'll do my research. I recommend that you get about eight hours of sleep, but that doesn't mean going to bed at midnight and waking up at eight. It means leaving yourself at least nine hours of 
sleep time because it's going to take you a certain amount of time to go to sleep and then it's going to take you a certain amount of time to wake up in the morning and then throughout the night there are going to be phases when you're awake as well. My Fitbit for example tells me that I'm awake between 45 minutes to an hour each night. You won't remember being awake because it's such small intervals and it doesn't really register in our brain as being awake. We're not fully conscious but we're also not asleep. If you go to bed at midnight and you have to get up at eight o'clock, that doesn't mean that you're getting eight hours of sleep. It means that you are probably getting less than seven hours of sleep, probably. That's just the recommended dose. You as an individual could need slightly more than that or maybe slightly less. Don't think I need slightly less, so I'm going to aim for less. Always aim for more because if you need less sleep, your body's going to naturally wake you up anyway. So there's no point in aiming for less. Always assume that you're going to need between eight and 10 hours of sleep. In general, I find that really interesting that some parts of our brain can sleep when we're awake and some parts of our brain can be awake when we're asleep. That's why some people sleepwalk or have conversations in their sleep. I'm a candidate for that. I'll, especially when I have a partner, they'll tell me that throughout the night I was speaking. And especially if they speak back to me, it's going to be a really weird, fucked up conversation between the two of us. I remember that with my dad, actually, when I was a kid and we would fall asleep in front of the TV together or he would fall asleep in front of the TV and I would say something to him and he would think he's awake. He would respond as if he's awake, but he's actually not. And I remember once my foot hurt and I woke him up and I'm like, Papa, my foot's hurting. And he was like, OK, well, we'll go to the hospital. And I'm like, what? what do you mean we don't need to go to the hospital it's just I'm telling you that my foot hurts and he's like yeah yeah no totally we'll we'll go to the hospital <laughs> and that whole thing kept on going and going and we quite often have conversations like that and then I realized that I do the same thing it's just that no one had ever told me that mainly comes out when I have a partner or actually recently one of my friends slept over in the music room and they couldn't sleep and they came to me into my bedroom and I was which is obviously completely fine and I was sort of half awake and I just saw their face looking at me like Sophia I can't sleep and I'm like what I didn't even realize that they came into the room and of course like I let them sleep in my bed next to me and everything and uh, I think we were they were trying to have a conversation with me but it didn't I was just not like my brain was just not functioning but that shows that sometimes some parts of our brain can be awake when others are asleep. And so if you're sleep deprived, you don't really want that happening when, for example, you're driving a car and a part of your brain is asleep. What does my hair look like? <coughs> Quick interlude with some surprising sleep facts. Fun fact number one. Studies show that roughly 12% of us dream in black and white. Wow, that's a lot. Let me know in the comments if you also dream in black and white. I'm really, really curious. Fun fact number two. We're the only mammals who can delay sleep. Most other mammals will, when they're tired, they will find a place and they will find a way to sleep. Whereas humans will torture ourselves and continue working and somehow find a way to delay sleep. Fun fact number three. Somnophobia is the fear of falling asleep. That's interesting. As a kid, I feel like I had a fear of falling asleep. I would always call my parents in several times each night because I was, I would get scared. I wasn't scared of the dark. I was scared of falling asleep. I always felt like I was going to fall into this hole. I was scared that I was going to fall into this abyss and not be able to stop falling. I was, I think it's the fear of lack of control, maybe. I don't know. Definitely something I'm going to research more. Fun fact number four. 
you can't actually catch up on sleep. There was a Harvard study that proved that if you don't sleep enough one night, you can't just sleep more to make up for it the next night. So it's even more important that you actually get as many nights of quality sleep as possible. One, two, three, four, five. Fun fact number five. Sea otters hold hands when they sleep so that they don't float away. It's so cute. Fun fact number six. The fact that some people have a different circadian rhythm to others is completely natural. It's actually something that happened through evolution, which I think is really, really sweet. Because it used to be that if you're in a village, you want to protect each other for as long as possible. So if everyone was asleep for the same eight hours each night, then the entire tribe or village or whatever would be vulnerable for eight hours. But that's why you have people that would rather go to bed earlier and some people who'd rather go to bed later and wake up later. So the amount of overlap where everyone is asleep is incredibly minimal. I know people that go to bed around nine and wake up at five. And then there's people like us that go to bed at four and wake up at 12. So then the amount of time where everyone's asleep is only one hour. And probably it's even less than that because someone is going to be awake. Someone is either going to get up at four or go to bed at six. You know what I mean? So the reason why we developed in this way was actually a protection mechanism. But then at some point it decided as a society hey, fuck everyone with a neurodivergency, fuck those people who would rather go to bed later, let's all get up at 6am. Let's have schools start at 6.30. Was it 6.30 or 7.30? Something like that. I have no idea how I was able to get up consistently to go to high school at 7.30 for four years. I think it was four years, but even primary school, I think, starts at like eight or something. It's ridiculous. I mean, okay, I also don't have a better system for how it could work. I just think, you know, have it start a bit later and the kids that want to wake up earlier, then they just do their homework in the morning. I don't know. Just let us sleep, please. Also, as a woman, a lack of sleep has more consequences than it does for men, psychologically and physically. Just saying. For more information on sleep, I would highly recommend checking out Matthew Walker and his books and his podcast episodes. Okay, just had dinner. Ready to rumble. So, right. Now, how do you get a good night's sleep? How do you get into a good sleep rhythm? How do you stay asleep and how do you more easily wake up in the morning? If you want to know my top tips and tricks, you're going to have to listen to the next episode. See you there. Good night. Sleep tight. I feel like I did this video on like, okay, I'm going to give like a little bit of an intro to the sleep video that I did. And I've gone off on like five different tangents at least. And like five different completely separate topics. 